Welcome back to the Art of Charm podcast, a show where we bring you actual tips and strategies to supercharge your social skills and turn that small talk into smart talk, surrounding yourself with an army of high-status individuals to grow your social capital and unlock your hidden charisma to crush it in business, love, and life. I'm AJ. And I'm Johnny. Last month, we dropped a free training to help you discover your core values. We've had a lot of successful people on the show over the last 13 years, everyone from Sugar Ray, Kobe Bryant, Tim Ferriss, David Goggins, Gary Vee, just to name a few. And what do they have in common? They live a value-driven life that's helped them reach their incredible successes. They define their values, channel them daily, and communicate them clearly to everyone. So we put together a free training to help you do exactly that. Video one is all about defining those core values once and for all. Video two is all about how to start living them in your daily life. And video three teaches you how to communicate them. Check out this absolutely free training at theartofcharm.com slash panda. Or text PANDA to one 506 7543 That's PANDA, like the panda bear, P-A-N-D-A, to one 506 7543 That's right. Go to theartofcharm.com slash PANDA for more. Now, thank you for tuning in. Let's kick off the show. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Mickey Agarwal. Now, Mickey is a serial social entrepreneur with businesses collectively valued at over $150 million. She's been voted one of Inc. Magazine's most impressive women entrepreneurs, Forbes' top 20 millennials on a mission, and Fast Company's most creative people, just to name a few. Now, Mickey is also an author of two number one best-selling books, Do Cool Shit and Disrupt Her. Now, this one has been a long time in the making, and we're glad it finally happened with her visiting L.A. Mickey's going to help us go through our mailbag and answer the questions that you sent us. So if you want to have your questions answered on the show, head on over to theartofcharm.com slash questions. Submit them there or email us questions at theartofcharm.com and hear your questions answered on this show. Hello and welcome, Mickey. So great to have you with us today. Thank you. So happy to be here with you both. Now, you have a book out, Disruptor, comes out tomorrow in paperback. Yes. And you are known as a disruptive innovator. What does that mean? Because a lot of people hear disruption and they get nervous now. Disruption has gotten right. a bad rap. I love the, the sound of that, disruptive innovator. That's so <laughs> um, I mean, I think it just means like looking at the status quo, everything that we do every day, you wake up and you you know, you get out of bed, you brush your teeth, you take a poop, you know, you put your shoes on, you walk out the door, you, you know, you get on a, in a car in a subway, you go to, you know, go to work and do the thing. It just disrupting for me is really, really questioning every single thing that we do in our lives and asking ourselves, is this because I really want to be doing it this way? Or is it because society has taught me to do it this way? Or is it because my parents and education system and have it, it just, is the indoctrination so deep that I actually believe this to be true for real? Or is it just all made up? And the answer is it's all made up. And so, you know, if you look at all these categories, I mean, my most recent company is called Tushy and it's a modern bidet that washes your butt clean. Yeah. And, and it basically, it's in, you know, unlike the super expensive Japanese toilets that cost mm. thousands of dollars plus plumbing plus electrical, my product is a $79 product that you just attach to your existing toilet and turns any toilet into a bidet. And, and I love it, by the way. I, I've I seen use the commercials. It. I, I love it. <laughs> Yay. Yes. That makes me so happy. Yeah. And, and it's just when you really think about, wait a minute, like I have been using dry paper to wipe, like smear poop 
like into my butt and think that it's clean. Like, like if you, like the, the analogy I give is imagine if you jumped in your shower, didn't turn the water on and yeah. just use dry toilet paper to like wipe your dirtiest bits. People would be like, what? What is wrong with you? Is wrong? Are you <laughs> We're okay? not a burning man, okay? <laughs> want to sit down for a second and have a conversation <laughs> right now? And so the fact that we've been so deeply indoctrinated to believe that this dry paper properly cleans the dirtiest part of our body is just interesting. And it just means that there are so many other things in our lives, you know, money. Can't talk about money in public. It's tacky. Why is it tacky? Money's just energy that we've made. It's a made up energy exchange that we have agreed to is worth something. Like it could be rocks. It could be these mugs. It could be anything. And yet we can't talk about it because it's this big taboo or something like sex. Every human being is here because of it. And yet we can't talk about it because people have decided that it's taboo. People have made up that it's something you can't talk about. A woman's period, as an yeah. example, can't talk about that because, oh, guess what? The Nepali, the Nepali men think that the entire earthquake happened because of menstruating women. And it's just like, and all these made up stories like that exist in the world that we just either choose to believe to be true or question. And so my whole thing is, can we look at you know, products like toilet paper in this country specifically, because bidets exist globally. Yeah. But can we take this product that people know and, and, and just like have been doing for generations and actually disrupt it? Can we use innovation? Can we use creativity? Can we use art? Can we use the right accessible language to really shift the conversation and not make it so heady and so academic and so clinical and so medical or technical, you know, but make it like you're texting your best friend. Yo, did you check out like, wait, I just realized that I'm like wiping my butt with dry paper. Like, what am I doing? Like, wait, let's talk about it. And, and all of a sudden it becomes this like normal conversation that you feel like you can relate to. And so all of the, the way we write our copy, the way we talk about our business, we talk about our new ideas and new products, new innovations is like we're texting our best friends. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel so scary. Right. And, and it's fun. It's artful. It's beautiful. And it, and it makes you feel there's a kinship to it. And so for me, disruptive innovation is just simply questioning the things around you, us questioning the status quo and using innovation to disrupt that, that idea. And do you remember what that first wall of reality was that, that crumbled for you that made you start asking, why are we doing this? Yeah, it was in the food space. You know, I was... 23 years old and I'd left investment banking. I, you know, 9-11 happened when I was 22. Um, I was supposed to be there on that day. And it was the first and only day in my life I slept through my alarm clock. You know, 700 people in my girlfriend's office died. Two people in my office died on that day. It was a really crazy time. And it was the moment where I was like, you know, oh my God, the mystery of life is that you never know when it's going to end. Right? And the time was absolutely now to make it count. And so... I had written down three things I wanted to do with my life. The first was to play soccer professionally, because <laughs> why not? I played soccer all four years in college and I played my whole life. Sure. And the second was to make movies. And then the third was to start a business. And, you know, I did all those things, you know, played soccer for New York Magic and, and worked in the film business for a while. But then I had my first ding, ding, ding idea for my first business, which was born out of this necessity, like you say, which was, for me, was a really horrible, consistent stomach aches. You know, on sets of commercials and music videos, there's these tables called craft service tables, where you eat like pigs in a blanket and pizza and like M&Ms and like, you know, pretzels Process, and processed uh, crap. Yeah. And for me being an immigrant, you know, you know, first generation immigrant who had a big student loan debt, 
I was like, free food. This will be my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I would just <laughs> eat that shit all day long and come home with horrifying stomach aches, obviously. Yeah. But at the time I was like, what is going on? Because this is when the organic movement didn't pick up. Like the, you know, it was still very much, you know, Atkins diet or whatever in the early 2000s. And people weren't really like, it was still like, you know, like the frozen, those, those like lean cuisines, like all these oh, things, yeah. right? Like process, process. Oh, this yeah. is when, when Subway was considered healthy. Right. And so we based, I basically like kept having stomach cakes and I was, I finally was like, okay, enough is enough. One day I came home with the worst stomach cake and I just went to research it, went to Google. And in my research discovered the massive processed food industry and discovered that every time specifically when I ate pizza, I kept having these bloated, gassy, gross ex- stomach experiences and then looked into it and realized, oh my God, pizza is a $32 billion industry. You know, Americans eat a hundred acres of pizza every single day. We love pizza clearly. And yet it was made with bleached flour, processed cheese, sugar-filled sauces, processed toppings, all this crap. Mm -hmm. And so the reason why it's considered a thalamus food, a brain food is because it's got all the food groups. So people crave it. Like our bodies actually crave it because it has all the food groups. But if done, if it's done right, it actually could be good for you. And so at the time, 2002, 2003, 2004, organic was like, ew, probably tastes like cardboard. And mm-hmm. people were like, oh, like farm to table. What is that? What are you talking about? Like, you know, eat grass with the cows. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, it was like a really nascent, really early subject. And so that's when I had my first idea. Oh my God, I'm going to make New York City's first alternative pizza concept that uses gluten-free flours, hormone-free. Nobody was talking about gluten-free. Back then they were like, ew. Like it was just ew, organic, ew, gluten-free, ew, natural, ew, all the Mm -hmm. things. And what I learned from that experience of just first coming up with the idea of a, you know, farm to table pizza concept that was gluten-free called Slice. Now it's called Wild, um, which you're both invited to. And uh, we have have four locations now. Um, But um, yeah, it was like such an interesting uphill battle to climb with people to get them to like eat this delicious pizza. But they had these, these like these blinders on of what society said about organic food. It was it was like, oh, if you're organic, you're wearing Birkenstock and you should go to those weird stores where everyone's wearing burlap sacks and it's just like, t- everything tastes like, you know, like like dirt, you know? Like a New Yorker. Right? <laughs> That's, but, but back in the early 2000s, it was like that everywhere across this country. Maybe mm-hmm. not as much California, but it was really like that, and especially New York. And so... I learned very early on on like how to toe the line between educating people but not being preachy and doing it in a fun, creative way and not too in in your face. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, 
Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How much of it, not only of putting in different foods, now more healthier foods, whole grain foods, uh, all these things that are going to make your experience so much better. How much also was it this idea that pizza being such a staple, like that people just didn't want it to change, right? Because now you have to ask them this, this pizza that you've been having your whole life that generations have been enjoying. And it is now practically an an American food, the way we do it. Yes. And that everyone's family has been having and you've been having delivered to your door in, in this way for how long? And now we're going to change that. And certainly people do not like change at all. Exactly. <laughs> and that's a microcosm. Literally, pizza is a microcosm of society. Yeah. <laughs> it's so right. And it's like they're like society wants to maintain its form. Sure. Society does not want to change. And when there's anyone who's trying to disrupt that in the corners and trying to pull it forward, they're going to call you names, tell you you're crazy, tell you that you're a hoax, that you're like black magic, that you're, they will say anything and do anything so they can maintain its form. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the big challenge. And that's why, you know, the disruptors deal with a lot 
of name calling and a lot of things to move society forward in a certain direction because of this tradition of the way things have been done for so long. Now, have you felt in creating, because many of your companies are disruptive in this way, that are taboo, that are edgy, has social media helped or hurt these businesses grow? Because I feel like now with the cancel culture, we were laughing about this a little earlier, disruption and pushing on those taboos with social media can get taken down very quickly. I mean, it is it is a very, very interesting place today to be. I do think that social media has been, by and large, a positive for my companies, to be perfectly honest. There have been moments of, you know, like, what the fuckness yeah. in the whole thing. But I think that comes with building businesses. I think that comes with having any level of success. There's that, there is such thing as a tall poppy syndrome where people want to take you down mm -hmm. and cut you down. And that was something that was very unexpected for me. But then I was just like, you know, like Michelle Obama says, like when they go low, you go high, like you stay high and you just have to, you know, you guys are the art of charm. Like there's going to be those moments, but you're like, I'm going to stay in uh, my art of charm moments. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's certainly difficult. We've certainly ha have had our own battles, but I would imagine for, for coming at products where you are disrupting what has always been there and you're asking these questions and you're presenting a new way of doing things, that exchange of arguing online is I would see as a positive, positive yes. right? Because it's bringing awareness. People want to jump into the conversation. Oh, yeah. And then if you start presenting an argument that is just based in facts and there's a lot of people are going to be like, well, I can't really argue. I can't. A hundred. I mean, I'll give you some examples with Tushy, for example. People are like, "Oh, wouldn't poop just spray everywhere? I don't want to poop to spray. Oh, forget, sorry, no thanks." As a comment, and we're like, "No, poop doesn't spray everywhere. It, po it literally, it's a precise stream of water that pulls the water down." And it's like, "Oh, is it dirty toilet bowl water or tank water? That's disgusting. I would never use that." No, it's a, it plugs from the wall, the same water you brush your teeth with. Next question. And it just like everything is just trying to like, initially, it's just like, saying like, oh, it, it's so gay. <laughs> no, I've gotten that so many times. It's so gay to use a bidet because you're getting something in your butt. And I'm like, first of all, how wow. lame are you in this day and age to even say right. something like that? I mean, that's just... And so, and it's just like, no, actually it's not because it's not in your, it's, it's on. And by the way, it's like, you know, like it's for everyone and, and everyone around the world is using it. Mm -hmm. It's not a new thing. It's just some, a new adoption in this country. And so there's just so much stigma and so much resistance, absolutely, to, to, to something new. And it's just about standing strong and refuting and just saying back with, with, with humor. Like, I, you know, I hired a really, really funny writer from the Upright Citizens Brigade, you know, UCB, and yeah, she's our writer. And she just writes the funniest shit all day long. And we just, and, and that's like, that's the rapport that we oh, have. And people so just laugh. And so it's like, poop is just a funny subject. You're, but. And, you know, so, so for, for us, it's like, we, we do get a lot of naysayers in the beginning. And what's interesting, what's the most interesting is the biggest naysayers, the biggest shit talkers become the biggest champions. <laughs> I guess like, yeah, they're absolutely. either Once talking they experience shit really it. loud or talking like positive, really like, like, and then we finally were like, all right, stop yelling. Like try this product. We'll give you a big discount. Yeah. Just just try it. And then they're like, oh my God, I was so wrong. What was it? <laughs> so it's like the big, you know, it's like always, the, it's like the loud minority yeah. on both sides that can, that can move things, move things around. Yeah, most of us are in the silent majority. Yeah. Now, obviously with these, these companies and these ideas and pushing against the, the status quo, there's a lot of rejection. 
yes. that comes along with it. Yes. And I think we all struggle with rejection, whether it's posting stuff online or in our social lives or dating lives. And how have you built up a tolerance for rejection to be able to push the boundaries? I always think about rejection as like the first, it's the first offense. It's the first no. It's the first, it's like, all right, cool. That Then this this way of explaining this to you didn't quite work. Let me try a different way. Okay, you care about the planet. Okay, you don't necessarily care about your health and hygiene, which we all should, but okay, you care about the planet. You know, the 15 million trees get cut down every single year to make toilet paper. You know, do you know that there are billions of gallons of water and bleach used to make toilet paper? You know, versus people like, well, what about water? Why do you have to save water? You know, you're using one pint of water versus what it takes to make a single roll of toilet paper, which requires 37 gallons of water to make one roll of toilet paper. And the average American uses 57 sheets of toilet paper per day. So net, net, you're actually saving 55 gallons of water per week by using fresh water to properly clean you. I mean, so like we have like, we just have the truth to what people's big, you know, like resistances are. And I generally love it because then we can like educate them and they can then take that education and go and sure. school other people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and by the way, do not go to tushy.com. It's a very graphic porn site, very anal graphic porn. Go to hello tushy.com <laughs> to be very clear. Do not go to tushy.com. Hello tushy.com. Thank you. <laughs> you got to send them to the right place. Very important. Everyone's because... listening at work. They're like, oh, I want to clean butt. Whoa. Oh, okay. it's graphic. People do not. <laughs> so <laughs> when, when we were hanging out in New York, you were getting ready for, I believe it was butt fest. It was butt con. Butt con. There yes. we go. And it was exactly this having some fun with the whole thing, yeah. right? Why are butts such taboo in this culture? We all have one. We all poop. We all bend down. We all like need it. It's for, universal. It's a universal thing. And yet, because again, society made this part sexual and taboo, it's all of a sudden something that we have to run away from. So we held ButtCon, New York, you know, the first ButtCon in America, where we're this year we're having our first ButtCon Deuce 2020. Okay. You guys are both invited. Um, and um, and it, and it's everything from butt lift doctors, anal reconstruction surgeries, like poop doctors for gut bacteria, like sure. to really understand gut biome. We had the anal porn star, uh, porn star Asa Akira there. We had like anal, uh, I mean, butt facialist there who does butt, who does butt facial. People have like, sometimes people have like pimples on their butt so you can do butt facials. There's so, I mean, there's a lot that no people idea. don't even like that we I learned yeah. at ButtCon <laughs> myself having thrown it. I was like, wait, we had a twerking competition. We had twerk off. I mean, like We're it was enter the twerking competition. Oh yeah. Sorry. It was wild. And it, we had the cake sitter with this woman named Lindsay Dye, who's like this cake sitter who sits, who twerks over cakes and sits in the cakes and then like smears the cake all over her butt. And she this is what she does for a living as a as like you a, can make a show. Of that. Yeah. And okay. so it's it's just interesting what people what's out there, and we put it all together, and it was a, an incredible event. People we sold out of tickets because people are interested in the subject, and that's what that's my biggest thesis in in right. And the reason why I wrote Disrupt Her, the thesis is that we think that people don't want to have the, these conversations, that people don't want to talk taboos, and and yeah, out loud people don't want to talk about them. But guess what? The minute someone gets a bidet, someone gets a tushy. And all of a sudden someone goes, they're, they're having a dinner party and their friends, you know, see them. It becomes the topic of conversation for the entire dinner. 
is about poop and their butts because all of a sudden it's just permission mm, and right. everyone needs permission. I'm sure you guys know all about that. And it's like, that's the thing. It's like the minute we talk about periods, everyone's like, oh my God, I want to talk about, they want to talk about poop. Oh my God, organic, gluten-free, whatever it is that like the businesses that I've started that people have been like, you know, sensitive to talk about and out loud. The minute we have these conversations, people are like, oh my God, like why is it tacky to talk about money out loud? Why can't I change careers if I'm not really interested in doing the same thing? And I've, even if I became a medical doctor, you know, one of my friends is, is, is a doctor and, you know, went through, he's like made his, you know, his, his family is like the, the, the most proud family ever for, you know, cause they, they come from Peru and, and he's the first like college graduate in the family, the first doctor in the family. And there's a lot of pressures, but he, he's not necessarily in love with the profession anymore. And, and it's like, life is short. Like you can go and like do other things. Like while you're still a doctor, you can get more education and do whatever, you know, whatever else you want to do. Like, it's not just because you follow this one career path, you have to stick to it for the rest of your life. Like, you know, so there's so many things that we feel kind of stuck by that, is just made up. Well, yeah, it's I think there, yeah. it's cer there's certainly, and we were talking about this earlier, there's certainly a large segment of society who is not vocal, who are not screaming at the top of their lungs about everything and, yes. and, and upset about everything, who like well-reasoned arguments, who want to see the world to be a better place, who want to have fun and are interested in unique, fun experiences. Yes. However, because they're busy doing their things and not screaming at everything it's difficult they're to drown out they're drown out exactly and that that's exactly yeah to, to bring back the point is that people are interested in mm. the change people are interested in trying new things people are interested in looking at something from a different perspective sure and even for for me like raising money as an entrepreneur to for these businesses that are taboo was so difficult oh, I bet. because all the investors are like, no one's going to, no one's, no one's talking about, no one's interested. No one's going to, this is not even a category. Like, what are you doing? You know? And it's just like, and I, I, I spent a year trying to raise money for my period. I raised $0. I tried to raise for Tushy. It was very, very hard, you know, to raise for Tushy, even after having in a big win under my belt it was really, really hard because people were just like, no, but it turns out that people are, people were buying. I mean, our, our business is doubling and tripling year over year because people are interested in well, it. Well, I remember the first time I, I think it might, it was, I saw Toshi on a scrolling Facebook ad, I think, was the first time I saw it. And my first reaction was to laugh and I can't believe this is on her. What is it? And then I watched the thing like, oh yeah, she, she, they're right. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You get oh, a laugh and then you get people to agree. Right? Yeah. Now, one of the concepts in the book that we loved is this idea of iteration is perfection. And for a lot of our audience, we've talked about this in the past, perfectionism holds them back yeah. and keeps them from even starting and understanding that perfectionism is keeping you from your dreams. We love this concept of iteration. Mm -hmm. Can you unpack that and how you discovered that? Yeah. I mean, you know, we all, we have this dream destination of like what we're going to do if we, you know, we build this thing and we sell our company and we make a lot of money. It actually, like, it turns out that it's, it's the process of like making adjustments, of building the business, of, of creation that's perfection, that it's the fun part. You know, being perfect is boring. Being perfect, trying to get to the perfect place in the perfect way, which prevents you from starting at all, boring. 
You know, what's interesting is the journey that you go on as you're learning and growing and putting something out there, putting yourself out there, putting the business out there, getting answers, getting feedback, and then making micro iterations, micro adjustments, fixing things. Oh, that was a mistake. Oh, oh, oh. You know, like we, I, I made like my, my CEO and COO and I were laughing just now at, at, at Team Tushy because we just launched our website and the satisfaction guaranteed like logo image like was broken, <laughs> which was like so ironic. Like, like, you know, and I was just like, you guys, this is like, like, like the, of the image. And then so it's fixed now, but I was just like, I mean, like, it's just, it's just an iterative. So, so we fixed it and it's iterative and we just made it. Ha- and, and like, and so it's just, it's a constant adjusting, readjusting, fixing, you know, not making, not, not being so hard on ourselves. I think that's another big part. You know, we've, in my book, I talk about the perfectionism situation and how iteration is perfection, but I also talk about how, you know, we've been taught from the moment we were, we, we were like in the world about, we learn through punishment, right? It's like, if you don't do that, if you do this, then I'm not going to give you this. Or if you don't sit down and be quiet, then you're going to go to the principal's office. And if you're, then it's just punishment based, and when things are punishment based, it, it puts you in the zone of like, I don't want to get out of line. Right. I'm like, get afraid of being myself. And it's like when between between our our schools, you know, the you know, Horace Mann created the normal school and common school and basically create the standardized tests, the rows of desks, the whole thing to create factory workers, right? And so and so the idea is that like to create cogs in a machine and we're, we're not cogs in a machine. We're human beings with different feelings, different ideas, different things that we're passionate about. And that when we're trying to be put in this machine, it's no wonder people are on Adderall to stay focused on the thing that they hate doing all day. You know, the number of people who I've known, who, who I know who've been on Adderall for 15, 20 years because they hate what they're doing, but they think it's what they're supposed to be doing or they're taking antidepressants because they think that they're supposed to be doing that. And it's just like, it's just nonstop. And it's like, because they're trying to fit themselves in a box that doesn't belong to them. So that's just it. It's like, it's like disrupt her is, is permission. It's liberation to like figure out exactly who you are, disrupt the norms of society, what your parents, what, what everyone around you saying and choose for yourself what is in deep alignment. And that, and then follow that in every, in your relationships, in money, in your career, in your friendships, in the complaint culture, in feminism, in the patriarchy, like every single thing <laughs> right. we can choose and we don't have to pick a faction yeah. and then not like for example i became a mom recently right am i pro-choice yes of course but do i also now empathize with the pro-lifer because i also see like after 12 weeks or so, there's a beating heart or 10 weeks there's a beating heart and that equals life and now that i'm a mom like i get what they're i get their play they're not trying to be bad people they believe they're saving lives of course. and so it's like but for me to even say this here might get a bunch of pushback right by being yeah. like oh you're a pro-lifer oh, yeah. now so no already writing the letters that's not right well, that's just exactly. it everyone ha- it's, it's like, black and it's white black and white it's like why it's never black and white it's always in the gray and that's why like i've this whole summer i've created a little puppet show which i haven't released yet which is basically me and a puppet which is basically my subconscious that's talking oh, to myself cool. basically that's like about all the subjects like abortion like the planetary issues that we have in the world i mean it's like you know we have to figure out how to stop burning down these forests and burning down the the you know the Amazon and Australia and all these things and we also have to figure out how to get people jobs they're not desperate to freaking do that and so like what is it like everyone has their own agendas and it's like what like 
you know, and everyone has their own angle of what they believe to be true. And so as if, if we're taking sides, we're not showing compassion to each other. We're not able to to reach a resolution, work hand in hand. It just creates more divisiveness. And guess who guess who wins with that? The media. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're That's fostering it. it. Nobody else. <laughs> and what I get, the sense that I get from the book and having spent time with you is this authenticity. And it's it's something that people strive for and they want the answer. How could I be more authentic? Mm. How can I be someone who other people perceive as authenticity? What does that mean to you? I just think, so for me, being authentic and being in integrity means what you're thinking, feeling, and saying match up. So often what we say versus like, oh, I really like your haircut. And then, oh, I really like your haircut. And then I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. Like if someone to me, it's like, you know, I just got my hair, I just literally cut like 18 inches off my hair. And someone could be like, oh, really nice haircut. In their head, they're like, oh, it makes your cheeks look big or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, like who knows? But it's like, and 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 people who think that they're an in integrity think, oh, no, I'm a good person. So therefore I'm an in integrity, mm -hmm. right? I've been working with my life coach, Lauren Zander, for like the last seven years, who's been teaching me all about just like, being okay to speak your truth fully and, and with like with love. And if you do it with love, like whatever you say is okay because it's your truth. And so it's like, for me, it becomes contrived when I'm not speaking my truth. Like I can tell, like you can, you, anyone can tell yeah. when someone's being like, uh-huh, you know, versus like, oh no, they're authentic. For me, it's like, it's, it comes from your root chakra. You can feel it in your belly if you're speaking your truth or not. And if you're not, if your heart and your mind aren't aligned with your mouth, then you have to stop saying anything until you are. And, and it's something you're striving towards. I feel like all these pressures that are put on us to fit in on social media, to have a major brand, to grow a company, of course, we're going to be fighting that constantly. Yes. And, and it's <laughs> going to be a struggle. And there are going to be days where you win and you are 100% authentic. And there are going to be days when you gave in a little bit yeah, you, because you were put in a situation and you bit your tongue. But striving for it is the goal. That's it. Don't be hard on yourself. And so like, that's the hardest thing is like, we're always like, oh, I can't believe I got, you know, I got angry or I got irritated. Like I shouldn't have versus like, oh, there's my little like anger, you know, Allie coming out, you know, yeah. like I'm going to put her back in her, you know, little box now. And well, we talk about talking to yourself yeah. in compassion as if you were a child. Mm -hmm. You would not discipline a child with, oh my God, how could you do that? Yes. You would try to get the child to cheer up and, and move past the mistake. Exactly. Ugh. To go along with something you were mentioning there as well, of being able to speak your truth and how it allows you to feel good. Absolutely. And then to the other part of that is when you're not, that you do not feel good. I mean, yeah. you're... We were laughing about this today because we were coming in talking about <laughs> how many people are living these lives yeah. online virtually or through these the social media and whatnot. And they're trying to live up to these things, but they're unable to. And what is that causing? That is causing we mass anxiety yeah. and doubt. And, and of course, authenticity is this new word that everyone seems to be struggling with and trying to run towards because we're living in a place that is so disingenuous with the social media that everyone's trying to live up to. And it's like, it's self-induced. It is. And that's in, it's like the perfect angle on how many pictures can you take from this angle with mm -hmm. part of my jawline. And then someone, and then like, you don't want to be seen publicly because people only know you from right. like this Base part of your tune. face. And oh, yeah. it's just like, and the, and all the filters and all the likes and, and, and comparing yourself to other people, it just creates the worst version of ourselves. And so for me, like, 
so I'm right now in my three month, what I call my chrysalis, which is a three month time in. I've actually never taken any any time in in my adult life where I'm able to like really not be in the throes of email, of social, sure. of like doing, 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 but really in a place of reading, of journaling, of introspection. And I'm taking three months. I, you know, my CEO, COO are, are super supportive of, of me in this time. You know, just really grateful that, that I get this time. And I think these are the periods where we can figure out like, what is it? What's our next move? Like, what is it that we care about? And who and, are we? And who yeah. are we? Because we're so inundated by the media and marketing to be someone else and Ex to be inauthentic. And then I, so I, I turned off my social media for the, for, for the, for three months. I just took them off my phone and it's been really, really lovely. Now let's hop into our mailbag. We got a great question here that I, I think you're going to have a fantastic answer to around storytelling, but yes. it's a, it's an interesting twist. So I'm a new listener to your podcast. I've been listening for a few episodes on storytelling, which was the theme a few months back. I've often thought of myself as a bit of a storyteller, though I know I can get better. I have a question though. When in conversation, how do I encourage others to tell their stories. Often I find that people answer in one or two sentences to the questions that I could easily talk on and on about. Any advice would be appreciated. Actually have to feed them a question of like telling you a story of a time when, or like, can you give me an example of like, you know, oh, we're you know we just had a, co a great conversation about, you know, about confidence. Like put me in the scene of like the time you felt most confident. So just like, I think it's really about a moment in time and getting people to relive a story and not tell a story. And I'm sure you've heard that a million times too, but it's something that we forget often is like, put me in a seat, like show me like, what, were, what was happening? Who are you talking to? Give me the dialogue. Like, I just want to put me in the scene. Yeah. And I think it's like, if you, if you, if you make them, you know, put themselves back in that moment, they can relive the story and it's it's now a story and no longer like, yeah, I learned this. It's like, okay, so then I went here. And then in my, you know, in the woods, I, I stumbled upon this, you know, this infinity crystal. And I walked inside and saw millions of versions of myself. And then this old man shows up and he, you know, or I could have just said, yeah, I like found love for myself. Right? Yeah. So it's like, or put me back in that scene and relive that moment with me. So I think that's a really great way of leading somebody into reliving a moment. Some vulnerability there. And I think put me in that scene yeah. is, is so Wonderful. beautiful because immediately it's like, oh, well, I have to paint the full picture. Yeah. I can't just give a couple details. I really got to set it for the other person to follow along. Yeah. And I think a, a big part of this, and we talk about this on the show is, all we can do is create the space for other people to share, but we can't manipulate people into sharing when they don't want to share or telling stories because we want them to do so. Totally, And that's such a big mistake that we make. And whether it's, oh, I want this person to feel a certain way about me or I want to be perceived, we don't have that kind of control. We don't. The only control we have is of our own behavior and what we're sharing. And what we talk about is actually following or leading by example. So if you want someone to really open up and be vulnerable, well, you have to go first. And I'm sure it's the same with these taboos that we're talking about. In a boardroom, no one wants to talk about periods. So you're going to have to go first and you're going to have to talk about periods to get people to go, you know what? I can, I can break through and now I can talk openly about this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like massaging the relationship a little bit more and that like to get them more and more comfortable by just asking them like, oh, like, just, just keep further inquiry. And I want to bring up something that, I, that we've talked a lot about on this show as well when it comes to this. 
is we tend to think that everyone's doing the same things that we are. Right. And so if we are doing all this work in order to get better at storytelling and get more socially confident and put ourselves out, we forget that not everyone else is in that same headspace. So because you're interested in getting better at storytelling and putting yourself out there and meeting people, the other people that you're going to are utterly terrified because we're now in this place where everyone's technology is so important that socialization is the, one of the last thing that anyone is working on at this right. point. This is where but, you guys come in. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've put yourself together to walk over there. You're working on these new skills. You're really good and you're, you're feeling good about your process, but the other people are against the wall freaking out okay. that you have come over there to say hello. So back to AJ's point is, Remember, not everyone is seeing this as an opportunity to progress and get better. They're still working out of their shell. So by creating that space, they're going to be more inclined to open up. However, you cannot force people to do that. Yeah, 100%. My husband, Andrew, he started, he, he's um, you know in the process of finishing his book called Social Flow, which is about how to be in flow state in yeah. social situations. Yeah. And, you know, I think 70 or 80% of people suffer from social anxiety. Like it's a real thing. It is. Especially today with everyone on their social media and not really in, in person. And so going into these networking or these connecting mm. groups or walking into a room where you don't know anybody, like there's a lot of real anxiety that comes up for people. And so he came up with a really brilliant system that gets people in their flow state and it's called I can. And you guys should meet with him at some point because he's Absolutely. so great. And basically I can, it stands for like intentionality, curiosity, authenticity now. And so presence. And so the idea is that like you first, you set an intention. Okay, I'm walking into this room or I'm going to this meeting or I'm going to these podcasts, interview, or I'm going to do you know, this very important presentation. Like what's my intention? Okay. My intention is to have a really great time. My intention is to have a really fun chat, get to know these guys. Like that's my, that's my intention. And then, okay, curiosity. What am I interested in knowing? Like, okay, so I'm really curious to know like what you guys are interested in, in working on right now. Oh, like, you know, the, the stuff you guys are doing at work is so interesting. I'm like thinking about other companies that can work with you for the in, um, in office, you know, conflict resolution, all the epic stuff that you guys are working on. I'm so curious about that. Right. You know, and then authenticity is like, what do I authentically want to share? Sure. Well, I'm just sharing, you know, whatever questions get thrown at me, I'm going to share from my authentic place. And then the most important thing is now is to be present. And so it's like, what's my intention? What do I want to know? What do I want to share and be present? And that's it. And once you really like get that flow of it and, and you're not like, it's not contrived anymore. It just becomes part of you then you can enter any room and really get relaxed. You're not like, what question do I want to ask? What It's like, just like, oh, what's your, you know, just get to know them and ask a real question that you want to know. Like and all of those, <laughs> all four of those things are inside of you. Yes. You are controlling you. Yes. Right? You are setting the intention. You are being curious. curious. You, you are, are being, being authentic. authentic. And present. This is not something that you can just pull out, out of, of other people. And that's where I think the framing of this question, oh, looking absolutely. at it internally instead of, hey, how do I pull this information out of people? Here's one from Rebecca. Yes. I'm a young professional and I work at a tech company. And I would say that my social skills are for the most part pretty good. I have a great circle of friends. And in fact, my last review at work was very encouraging. But here's the one thing that I can't figure out. And it's becoming more and more of a problem, especially at work. When I'm friendly and engaged, it's almost always interpreted as flirtations, mm -hmm. especially by all the single guys at work. 
Turning them down always creates a bad vibe, but it seems Ugh. like the only way to prevent this pattern is to be distant and standoffish, and that's not me. Any advice on how I can be open and friendly without getting asked out a few minutes later? Thanks, Rebecca. There's so much going on in this question, so let's just have uh, Mickey to kick this off because there's I yeah there's so much going on here. I think for these kinds of things to really quit back, like I, in my book Disruptor, I talk about like the three the triple Q technique. It's called quip question quit, and so quit back is like retort back with a funny you know, with a funny one liner because like you don't want because like guys sometimes or anyone doesn't know what their boundaries are until you establish them. Right. And you don't want to be like, like, I'm so offended. Like, don't ask me like, you know, cause being offended right away is just never creates connectedness. It only creates separation. Nobody wants that and creates more bad vibes. Yes. And so quit back. I mean, just joke back and, and, or just like say something fun back because it's not like no one's trying to hurt anyone. No. Like people just, Oh, she's nice to me. Oh, maybe she likes me cause I'm single and I really like her. And maybe she, you know, whatever. And so it's like their own, it's also them putting themselves out out on a limb too, like anyone would if they met someone that they thought were cute and cool. So like quipping back and just meeting them where they are and meeting them where they are doesn't mean invitation. Meeting them where they are just means like if they say something and you could just say a line that kind of like shuts them down, but in a really funny, fun way that doesn't make them feel bad. And I know like I've, it might, you know, in some responses that I would get from this cripple Q technique would be like, what's, why is it on me to have to quit back to them and make them feel comfortable and good? And why can't I just shut? Because people don't know, people haven't been taught. So well, people, to, and to go along and I'm going to let you finish no, with going, that, yeah. but I want to make a point yeah. before we to, to differentiate this. You will finish yours and I'm, I'm going to take on the, great, the guys. Great. Thank so, you. Great. So, okay, uh, great. Amazing. So I love this. This is really fun juicy. I love this. I mean, I would just, I would say something funny and then if they don't get it, then I would question like, Hey, like, I don't know. I mean, like, is this the best time? Is this the best place to do it? Like, it's probably not the best like environment, right? Like, so just you question, you, you have a question, but again, not in like a why are you doing this? Like, you know, like there's a way to do it where you're like letting the, it's like, it's like going to a bar and telling a guy like, I'm not interested, but it just happens to be in the office. And yeah, it's more inappropriate in an office because that's Absolutely. what society says. But, and also that's just, that's what it's, it's just what it's acceptable. Right. And so it's just a matter of like creating a boundary in a really friendly way and then moving on and not thinking twice about it and not getting offended by it. I don't know if you watched the most recent Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah about about this whole thing. And it's just like, it, it just gets out of hand when the offendedness and how victimized people Ugh. get immediately. And, and then it's like, now, like, I feel so bad because like I have a, you know, one of my friend's sons who's like 22. He's like, I don't know how to ask Frozen. girls out. Oh, terrifying. Yeah. Like, we I don't get know what to do anymore. All the time. Right? So let's, but so, let's okay, unpack like, that a little further. So the, the third cue. So we got the quip joke about it. I'm too high maintenance for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this really the best place to be hitting on women? Okay, we got yeah. the question. And then third is quit, which is like, hey, this is probably like, like this is probably the right, the best time. I'm just going to, I'll be back. Like, I'll see you later. You know? So just like you, you quit the moment. Mm -hmm. So you just like diffuse the moment, not being like, I'm out of here. That's fucked up. You know, it's more just like, it's like, let's, you know, like, like, um, I got I have, I have something I have to do right now. And then maybe you send them an email and just be like, you know, and, and then, then it's written and you're like, Hey, like, this is just like, you know, a friendly office teammate vibe here. Like, I just want to keep that vibe. 
you know, thanks. And like, just keep it light. Cause like, cause if the guy might be interpreting it as flirtatious. Right. So even right. if I'm not like, even if the girl isn't intending it that to be that way, he might be receiving it that way, at which point there's a disconnect. And so now it's on her to, to like make sure he's aware. And humor is the easiest way to yeah, use that. Tendency. I think so too. And that's where the quip comes in. Yeah. Johnny, you were. Uh, well, yeah, I just because there are people who are going to say right. They're like, "Why should I have to like, you know, like placate absolutely. his ego?" And, and blah, here's blah, blah. A, and, and here's like, the thing: well, the guys need know. to get it together as well. They and do. They, there's blame to be put on them, especially now. She might be a little bit nervous that it would be taken that way, that it's flirtatious. That's a possibility, and and it is a very real one. And these guys need to get their act together because I. The you shouldn't work do that. It's not the dating anything. pool. It's not the singles club. What are you doing if you if you are a hundred percent? If you are with your career, then you're not looking at work as as a place to be dating. Now, if they're getting the wrong signal, though, but there's two things that go on at work that need to be taken uh, in the court here. Number one, if it is from a higher up, it's a power play, and that's no good. And, For sure, and, and that's all. That's all completely no, different no. thing. Yes. From what I'm gaining from this conversation is, is there every, it's looks like everyone's coworkers. Yeah. Yeah. Now we always talk about this. We get this letter, all uh, these letters all the time. And it always starts out like this. I know I'm not supposed to be shitting where I, I work, right. but, but there's this one girl and it's like, here, let's just go to why you think this. Number one, because you don't have any other options in your life. And because you don't have any options, other options in your life, you're fixating on this biology is, is kicking so hard that all of a sudden it's going to create options where there isn't any, because you have programming that you're not going to escape. You're only able to override it. So you need to think through this now. So this is why for the guys, it's like, get it together. This is not, and by this sort of thing that you're doing and, and, and looking at this woman in this manner is creating a vibe around the office. Now we won't even talk about how that affects the other guys that are in there. And, and let's say that some of the guys are good friends and now all of a sudden it's, Oh, you think you can ask her out? And now they're egging each other on. And now right. we're now we're getting to a place where the whole en environment is completely totally. toxic. No one can get anyone done. The guys are not focused on what they need to be doing. She feels odd walking totally. into work. And yeah, she's inauthentic. Yeah, hundred so, percent. So, so everybody needs to start mining their p's and q's at work and be going there for what what you're supposed to be doing. And you have all the dating apps in the I world know. to make these things so easy. So why are you dragging your libido to work with you? So for proximity so, is actually a, like a psychological yeah. it's it's huge. Like a thing. Yeah. It's huge. It creates options where there is isn't any. Yeah. And exactly. so a broad answer here is everyone needs to, to grow up yeah. a little bit okay. on this and rise above. And, and I, and I loved your, your tactics for the, for the ladies. So that's rad. Miscommunication yeah. happens. Sure. And People if, getting the wrong cues happens. And, mm -hmm. and if you are too tolerant of it and you totally Absolutely change who not. you are, you are inauthentic. That's one thing. But also if you're too rigid about it, right. you're going to set yourself up. So it sucks to have to be like, I have to toe a line, but it's like, but everybody, so has, everybody has to. Yeah. yeah. We were just laughing about that earlier. We got to toe a line. We, I know, we have, I have a microphone in front of us. Yeah. Everyone has to toe a line. So to be like, oh, I don't want to toe any lines. Well then, Go out in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> go, go look at your gift in the By crystal yourself. castle. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
I'm 35 years old and I work as a manager at a great restaurant. I'm not really enjoying my job anymore and I don't think I could do this long term. The pay is great and at this point, I make my own schedule. My friends tell me I have the perfect job, but I'm not happy. How should I go about a career change? I would do, just say like, I'm going to do a leave for like, you know, a couple of weeks or a month, you know, and, and do some real soul searching and then also start to really look into other, you know, like say like, does he have entrepreneur friends that he likes or does he have like people that he really admires or every time he hears about someone else's job, he lights up talking to them about it. Like, what is it that lights him up? And if, and to follow that and to maybe do like a small like externship, if he can make his own schedule, he can do like, you know, intern for places a couple of times a week and see if that's something that he's interested in. And if it is, then he can, he can go on his, you know, he can test it out. So I don't think that just like leaving your job immediately and not being responsible because we, we do we do have to pay bills and things like that. That is a reality of life. So I, I always suggest to specifically to entrepreneurs to never like jump off the bridge until you have <laughs> you're able to like have at least like a few months of runway, six yeah. months runway. So you're not like stressing out every day about what you're doing because then that just makes it not fun. But unplugging for a bit. I, I like that piece of advice because it's going to be very hard for you to find the answer right. when you're going to a place that you don't, don't enjoy like. on a daily basis. And you're grinding and you're just all day. You're, creativity you're, you're, you're just doing and doing and doing and you're not being and asking like I'm I really, I've only been on my chrysalis for less than a month and so much revelations have come in and I can only imagine what happens. I'm spending all next month in um, Santa Barbara in like literally in nature, you know, we don't know anybody there and that's going to be really interesting for, for us because I'm going to be able to even do more deep work, you know, and then we'll see again in practice what happens. But like, I think that this time has been so precious and valuable and important to me that I can't, I don't think I'm able to go back and, and not want to do this like every year or every couple, every, every, you know, like as a, not just a one-off thing, but as a, as a, as a common thing in my life. I, I, before taking my chrysalis, I started doing Fridays as a thinking day, thinking day Fridays. So no emails, no calls, no busy work on Fridays where I get to just really think and um, I spent the last three months taking thinking Fridays and my thinking days and so much ideas, campaigns, inventions. You need to create the space. So many things have yes. come through from my Friday thinking days. And so we're so we're so used to like checking your phone all day, like answering emails and busy, 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 busy. I have this, I have that. And you're like, no, you can schedule that on Monday. You can schedule that on Thursday. You don't have to do it. Just because your phone said you should. And you or brought you up the externship, which is another fantastic example of reaching out to the people you admire, seeing how you could help them. And maybe there's an opportunity where yeah. you can learn a little bit more if that's truly something that you would be interested yeah. in. Yeah. Instead of just thinking that, well, if I keep going to my nine to five that I hate, the perfect job is definitely going to land in my lap. Right. I just got to stick with this and it's going to happen. Exactly. It's not a good strategy. No. Well, one thing that I was doing the live yesterday that I, that I brought up and it was about this. You know, and, and we've been working together for 14 years and I'm also a musician wow. and AJ has, has been there the whole time. Like when we moved to New York to start this company, I was in a band in three months. And when I moved out to Los Angeles, I've been playing is here since we've been out here. And at this point, at 10 years of being in Los Angeles, I can't even remember all the bands that I've been in at this point. But my point being is that I got to do that and still do those things at a very high level. And 
neither career has interfered with each one. And in order for that to happen, that's like a bridge that you would cross when you get there. So have fun. Do some of these other things. You have all the technology at your fingertips totally. to do these other things. And the the what ifs and, and all that, well, that's all they are. Yes, exactly. It's just self-made roadblocks. Thank you for joining us on the show. The yes. book comes out tomorrow in paperback, Disrupt Her. I'm assuming where all books are sold. Yes. And what is our clean butt? website so that we go <laughs> to the right one. com. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and answering these fun questions. So happy to be here. Thank you. Today's shout out and virtual high fives go to Jessica, one of our core confidence graduates. She interviewed for a job and negotiated her salary like a pro, walking out of the office with a new job and getting a few hundred dollars more per month than her peers. Huge congrats from us here at The Art of Charm. Awesome. Way to go, Jessica. And if you're wondering what Core Confidence is, well, it's our social skills and confidence training program where you work with our coach, Michael, in a peer group with 10 like-minded people. It's virtual, it's online, and the best part is you do all of that in live online sessions from the comfort of your own home, your couch, office, or even a jacuzzi if you have one of those waterproof devices. You can learn more about this fantastic program or apply today at theartofcharm.com slash core. C-O-R-E. Now, we hope you enjoyed this Q&A episode with Mickey. Let us know. We're always excited to hear from you. You can send us your thoughts by going to theartofcharm.com slash questions, and you can always email us questions at theartofcharm.com or find us on social media at The Art of Charm on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Johnny's favorite, Twitter. It has been a long time for us to, uh, waiting for Mickey to come on the show, and she was worth the wait. She is great. Such a firecracker. I have to say, starting those businesses in a time when, let's be honest, they are very disruptive and disrupting a lot of social norms and what we consider acceptable, taking on those challenges, especially as a woman, and sharing that with us today was fantastic. I know a lot of the questions we threw at her, we were excited to finally get our answers to, and I hope you guys enjoyed the show. And it certainly takes a lot to stick to your guns when you know that your idea is a good one. And I can't wait to have some of that famous wild pizza in Brooklyn. Now, if you're new to the show and you want to know more about what we do here at The Art of Charm, listen to our toolbox episodes. Every single month, we break down the fundamentals of networking, persuasion, influence, such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, and more. You can find all of those great episodes at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. We've also got boot camps running every single month here in sunny California. Details on those at theartofcharm.com. And don't forget about the Art of Charm Challenge. You can go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. The challenge is about improving your network and connection skills and inspiring those around you to develop personal and professional relationships with you. It's free, it's unisex, and it's a great way to get the ball rolling for some fun forward momentum. That's right. They'll make you a better connector, a better networker, and a better thinker. That's theartofcharm.com slash challenge for more. Also, could you do us and the entire Art of Charm team a big favor? Could you go over to iTunes and rate this show? And it helps new listeners find and enjoy the show just like yourselves. It would really mean the world to us. The Art of Charm podcast is produced by Michael Harold and Eric Montgomery and engineered by Sam J and Bradley Dunham at Cast Media Studios in sunny downtown Hollywood. Until next week, I'm Johnny. 
And I'm AJ. Have a good one.